0: CHAPTER sixty-one OF THE STORY OF THE ROMANS. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kangaroo 692. THE STORY OF THE ROMANS by H. A. Gwerber. THE CONSPIRACY OF CATALINE. While Pompey was away in the east, a few were young Romans, who had nothing else to do, imagined that it would be a fine thing to murder the consuls, abolish all the laws, plunder the treasury, and set fire to the city. They therefore formed a conspiracy, which was headed by Catiline, a very wicked man. The reason why Catiline encouraged the young idlers to such crimes was that he had spent all his own money, and had run deeply into debt, and wished to find some way to procure another fortune to squander on his pleasures. Fortunately from Rome, this conspiracy was discovered by the consul Cicero, the most eloquent of all the Roman orators. He revealed the plot to the Senate, but Catiline had the boldness to deny all knowledge of it. Cicero then went on to denounce the traitor in one of those eloquent speeches which are read by all the students of the Latin language. Catiline, however, indignantly left the Senate Hall, and rushing out of the city, went to join the army of rebels that was awaiting him. But the conspirators who stayed in the city were arrested and put to death by order of Cicero and the Senate. In the meanwhile, an army had been sent out against Catiline, who was defeated and killed, with the greater part of his soldiers. The Romans were so grateful to Cicero for saving them from the threatened destruction that they did him much honour and called him the father of his country. Shortly after this event, and the celebration of Pompey's new triumph, the old rivalry between him and Crassus was renewed. They were no longer the only important men in Rome, however, for Julius Caesar was gradually coming to have more and more power. This Julius Caesar was one of the greatest men in Rome, he was clever and cool, and first used his influence to secure the recall of the Romans whom Sola had banished. As Caesar believed in gentle measures, he had tried to persuade the Senate to spare the young men who had plotted with Catiline. But he failed, owing to Cicero's eloquence, and thus first found himself opposed to this able man. Caesar was fully as ambitious as any of the Romans, and he was reported to have said, I would rather be in the first in the village than the second in Rome. In the beginning of his career, however, he clearly understood that he must try and make friends, so he offered his services to both Pompey and Crassus. Little by little Caesar persuaded these two rivals— that it was very foolish in them to fight, and finally induced them to be friends. When these three men had united their forces, they felt that they had held the fortunes of Rome in their hands, and could do as they pleased. They therefore formed a council of three men, or the Triumvirate, as it is called. Rome, they said, was still to be governed by the same officers as before, but they had so much influence in Rome that the people and the senate did almost everything that the triumvirate wished. To seal this alliance, Caesar gave his daughter, Julia, in marriage to Pompey. Then, when all was arranged according to his wishes, Caesar asked for and obtained the government of Gaul for five years. To get rid of Cicero, Clodius, a friend of the Triumvirate, revived an old law, whereby any person who had put a Roman citizen to death without his trial was made an outlaw. Clodius agreed that Cicero had not only caused the death of the young Romans in Catiline's conspiracy but had even been present at their execution. Cicero could not avoid the law, so he fled, and stayed away from Rome for the next sixteen months. This was a great trial to him, and he complained so much that he was finally recalled. The people, who loved him for his eloquence, then received him with many of demonstrations of joy. End of chapter 61. Recording by Kangaroo692.